0: Let us begin our Reformation sermon with prayer. Gracious Lord, as we have gathered today to celebrate the Reformation, we know that the true cause of the restoration of the good news of salvation in Christ was not a man, but your word. Help us to cling to your word and proclaim it as he did to your glory so that we may be lights in the world enshrouded by the darkness of ignorance and the devil's lies. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. Just be strong and very courageous. Be careful to act according to the entire law which my servant Moses commanded for you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may succeed wherever you go. This book of the law must never depart from your mouth, and you are to meditate on it day and night, so that you will act faithfully according to everything written in it. Because then you will prosper in everything you do, and you will succeed. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, three weeks ago in Casper at our Bible study, our adult Bible study, I played a video. The guy was one of those prosperity theology hucksters, and he lists one Bible passage after another, torn out of its context to say, if you follow his formula, then God's going to make you rich. It was kind of fun watching my members there in Casper because they could understand some of those passages, especially ripped out of their context, could really lead people to miss the whole point of our salvation and the comfort it gives. So they were frothing at the mouth and were like ferocious predators ready to tear into this guy in the video, which warmed my pastoral heart. But just like that guy was ripping Bible passages out of his context, that's exactly what happened in the medieval church. Bible passages were ignored. Others were ripped out of their context. They strayed to the left and to the right. And eventually they came up with the idea that your good works earned your salvation. And if you were good enough, you had enough good works left over that it would become a treasury in the Pope's storehouse, if you will, that he could then sell off those good works to get people out of a hell-like atmosphere that was not taught in Scripture at all. And so it is that a man had access to the word, but was not perfect in his doctrine yet, stood up and posted that 95 thesis. And he very quickly learned how to stand on the razor's edge that is God's word. So as God commands Joshua uh, in today's text, as Joshua takes over leadership of the people of Israel, we discuss the theme, do not turn from God's word to the right or to the left. Now again, Joshua's taking over leadership of the people of Israel. Moses brought them to the promised land, but Joshua was the one God would use to lead his people to enter into and take over the promised land. From here on out, I'm going to preach on my own translation because there's a few things in the Hebrew language I want to bring out. So verse 7 begins, God tells Joshua, only be strong and very courageous. Now, Brothers and sisters in Christ, it was 40 years earlier that the people of Israel, having come out of Egypt, came to, shall we say, the front door of the promised land. And they sent in 12 spies, 12 spies to come back and report on how wonderful the land was. And they came back. Ten of them said, yes, it's definitely flowing with milk and honey. Basically, they said these people are nourished pretty well and we're grasshoppers in their eyes. There's no way we can defeat them. Two men. Joshua and Caleb said, look at how God delivered us from Egypt. Look at how God has been with us. God is with us and he will deliver this land to us. It was not that the Joshua and Caleb just had strong backbone themselves. It was they had seen God at work for them and they stood by that and that gave them strength and courage. Martin Luther knew that it was wrong to sell forgiveness when he posted that 95 thesis. What gave him the strength and courage to continue standing on that way, on that word when the whole hornet's nest got kicked was the word of God. Now, today, you and I live in a country where we have freedom of religion, but let's admit it. You can send words of comfort through uh, some kind of social media to a friend on a Friday night you can come back Monday and find you've been fired from your job because you comforted that friend with the blood of Christ and the love of God. We live in a day today where you're not allowed in many aspects, although our, we have freedom of religion. Socially, you're not allowed to tell somebody you have sin on your record. But if somebody does not understand that once they have sin, they're condemned and we're all born sinful, then their hearts are not ready to hear the fantastic news That God did the work to save us. That God's done all the work. And so for us too, we have to remember our strength and courage comes from standing on the word of God. Being in the word. And so that we can proclaim that word. And so we definitely don't want to veer to the left or to the right from that word. Because that's where we get the strength and courage to remain in the word and to share that word with others. God continues telling Joshua, Keep watch over and act according to all the Torah, which Moses, my servant, charged you. You are not to turn right or left from it. Now notice that word that often gets translated as law, I translate it as Torah. That's actually the Hebrew word. And there's a reason for that, because when we hear the word law, we think Ten Commandments. But what God is talking about is that Hebrew word Torah means instructions. Now, at this time, Moses, who has gone to heaven, had been inspired by the Holy Spirit to write Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He also wrote two Psalms. And if the book of Job has not been actually written on, on, on papyrus in a scroll yet, the book of Job was probably already memorized by the people. This is what they have at the time. So what's referred to as the Torah is actually not just God's Ten Commandments at all. It's the Word of God as it existed at that time. So, God is telling Joshua, keep watch over and act according to my word, which my Moses servant charged you. You're not to turn from the right or to the left. So Joshua was to lead the people... Being strong and courageous, not with principles of leadership and and, and being a, a strong general with great military tactics. In fact, he was going to be told things like march around the city of Jericho and God's going to send the walls tumbling down. He was to lead the people by standing on and faithfully proclaiming that word of God. Now, part of that word of God would include a covenant God made specifically with the Israelites on Mount Sinai. And that covenant was, you follow my civil, ceremonial, and moral laws that are specifically the civil and ceremonial laws meant for you as a nation. And I, in return, will make sure that you shine out with holiness so that the world will come to you to know about salvation. And I will give you the promised land and I will protect you in the promised land that it remains your possession Now we know that while Moses was up on the mountain, he was up there 40 days too long in the people of Israel's eyes. And they broke the covenant right away and made a golden calf and worshiped it. And we know time and time again that each generation will do that, will will break that. And sadly, even this generation that's going to take over the promised land, they too will not be faithful to it. If you remember the story where uh, the king of Moab, knowing these people are too powerful, their God's working for them, he sends for a guy named Balaam. And Balaam is to come and and to curse those people for the king of Moab. But God tells Balaam, ha, ah, you don't curse my people. But Balaam wants to keep his money. So finally he gives what was actually golden advice, if you will, militarily, bad advice morally. He tells the king of Moab, send your promiscuous women to tempt their men. And it worked. Those men did not stand on the word of God, did they? Or another time when, they take, when they're when they taking over the promised land, they get to Ai and they get beat. Because one man, one man in the whole nation of Israel did not trust the word of God, did not listen to it. And in their previous conquest, the stuff that was supposed to be dedicated to God, instead in greed, he kept it for himself. Their success was going to come from, from watching over and standing on the word of God. Now, you have a covenant with God. It's not the Sinaitic covenant where you do something and then God does something. Your covenant is the good news of salvation in Christ, the gospel. It goes like this. God took on human flesh and he did all the work for us. He kept the law perfectly for us. But he also needed to remove our sin because we can't have any sin ever on our record. That's the problem. We can't earn salvation because we have to to be perfect to be saved. So Christ died on the cross to remove all of your sins and all of my sins. He took the punishment for us. Then he rose. Then he sent the Holy Spirit into your heart uh, through somebody sharing the word with you so that you now have that covenant. And the only thing you can do is reject it. Otherwise, you're saved. God has made it a total free gift. So... I have here a razor blade, and again, standing to the left or to the right could lead us to fall off of that covenant of grace. Now, we're just going to deal with Lutherans in the Christian church. There are a couple of ways that we can go to the left or to the right and fall off that razor's edge. One of those would be, besides making our salvation depend on keeping the law, there's a category of that known as legalism. And that would be, you know, well, we just got to keep this tradition, we just gotta stand up and worship at the right we gotta stand up at the right time, bow at the right time, dress the right way, give the right offering. You name it. Anytime we are adding a regulation to God's gospel, we're falling into that. Now the Apostle Paul wrote an entire epistle against that, because there's a group of people, I said, there's just one thing you've got to do to be saved. And that's you've got to be circumcised. Now, another way we can fall off of that razor's edge is to go the opposite way and say, you know what, Christ, by taking away the law's condemnation, he's freed me, and then we can turn around and use it as an excuse to sin. Well, God will forgive me, therefore I will run out and rush into this sin. That would be abusing our Christian freedom because the law no longer damns you or I. But the law still tells us God is holy and here's where holiness stands. So we've got to be careful not to fall to the left or the right. Now, sadly, lots of times another way people fall the left or right of the word of God is either by giving church fathers dominance over the word of God. Well, St. So-and-so says this and my favorite theologian says that Luther himself says this. That's why Luther did not want the church to name themselves after him. Luther said, I'm a sinful man. And another way, sadly, that's going on today, we call them liberals, are people who just deny the inspiration and the inerrancy of God's word, and therefore they can twist it around to serve their own needs. So we want to stand on that, neither moving to the right or the left, because there's one core teaching of scripture. And we heard about that in our epistle lesson in Romans. The core teaching of scripture is the gospel. You are justified by Now, my catechism kids learn this definition for justification by grace. Even though I am guilty of sinning every day because of the faith God has given me in Christ who took the punishment for me, it's justified, never sinned at all. We're declared not guilty in God's courtroom. And if we go to the left or right off of that razor's edge, it will always impact the assurance we have that you are saved. That you are forgiven. Now, here's the problem. Joshua is told, you are not to stray from my word at all. That's how he's to lead the people. But do you know, Moses had told him that too. Moses had given him the instructions. Did you know Moses botched it? Once. The people had grumbled about water. It was that generation that God finally said, enough, you're not allowed to enter the promised land. But they were grumbling about the lack of water. In that particular time, to make the long story short, God commanded Moses, he was to preach grace, God's forgiveness. He was to give them God's forgiveness and strike the rock and water would come out. Now remember, the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron as well because they were the ones God had, uh, had, had made to lead the people. So Moses gets frustrated and gives the people the riot act. He gives them the law and then he strikes the rock. And God says, you are to give my people grace. Therefore, you will be allowed to see the promised land, but you will not be allowed to enter it. Moses wrote so much of the Old Testament, botched it once. He had a sinful nature. He's not a perfect man like the God, man, Christ Jesus. And did you know when Martin Luther nailed that 95 thesis, he actually probably stuck it with gum uh, to the church doors for that 95 debate. If you, uh, those, those 95 points he wanted to debate about the selling of indulgences. If you read those 95 theses, you're gonna find that a lot of them don't square up with what scripture actually teaches. Luther had been in the word enough to know that salvation is not something we purchase. It was, like I said, having kicked the hornet's nest that sent him into the word that by the time he writes his Heidelberg Disputation, he really has crystallized out this justification by grace. And then he would stand on the word. So Luther had a few times, he was a sinful man. He didn't always get it 100% right. Now I'm gonna tell you, I'm a sinful man. A few weeks ago, in a sermon, I gave the wrong commandment number in Casper. Now, the commandment numbers, we're not when you read Exodus or Deuteronomy, God doesn't say, here's the second, here's the third. He just gives the commandments. But God bless him. I was very thankful for a member who said, Pastor, you gave the wrong number, and I don't want anybody to be confused. We're talking about bearing false witness, and you're talking about committing adultery on accident. I was thankful for that person. I got it right when I came up to Buffalo and preached. But then that night, I get to Casper and I send out an email at 9 o'clock at night from my office there, correcting as I gave the. And then I gave yet another wrong commandment number. Boy, if you think my ribs weren't sore by Monday morning from all the rib jabbing I got. But seriously, any servant of the Lord who has a sinful nature knows they're going to mess it up. And that's why it's important. Luther wanted to put the word in everybody's hands. This is why we meet together and we encourage each other. And a servant of the Lord who is not willing to be corrected shouldn't be a servant of the Lord because they don't love his word. They love their ego instead. Or what happens if we are silent? What else you say? I heard them teach falsely, but I'm not going to say thing. Or I'll store that up for another time where I can really give them a bunch of zingers we actually are breaking a commandment. We ourselves are not keeping the name of the Lord our God, right? Lots of times when you find servants who are regularly messing up the word of God and clinging in it, you will find that they're not standing in the word. So whether it's a district president, a synod president, whether it's a pastor, an elder, a president, a Sunday school teacher, we've got to recognize, just like with Joshua, they're called to lead by getting the word right and sticking on the word. Not colorful little leadership seminars and things like that, which may be helpful, but the leadership comes from the word. So the last part of verse 7 says, uh, God says to Joshua, so that you will have insight to bring about success in every place where you will go. Now, notice how I translated that. The conjugation of the Hebrew verb is the hifil. I'm not going to bore you with grammar, but... The Hifo conjugation is you bring about the event. Who is actually going to bless the Israelites? It's God. If Joshua does not stand on the word of God, he's not going to have the right insight. To bring about what they're supposed to do. So if he doesn't listen to God when they march around the walls of Jericho and blast trumpets, it's not going to go well. If he does, then he has the insight to lead these people. The insight comes from God's word. So we've got to be very careful because when we call people to lead us in the word, no matter what position it is, they've got to be not so much reading church fathers, reading popular theology, They're, uh, reading how CEOs and big businesses run things, because as Jesus says, the, gen- the, the Gentiles lord it over them, the leaders of the Gentiles. Their job is to be in the word so that they have the insight to lead that Word, The insight, and it gives you the insight as well when you neither stray to the left or right. So that when your neighbor is hurting, so that you can encourage your brother and sister to your right and to your left when they're hurting and they can encourage you. This is how Luther accidentally, he didn't mean to when he posted that 95 thesis, God had a bigger plan. This is how Luther changed the world. And don't kid yourself. It's not that Luther envisioned our government. Luther understood that there needed to be a separation of church and state. The state was not to punish for church things. And the church was not given the sword. It was given the the binding and loosing keys. Luther invented what would become our public school system because he had the insight that comes from God's word. And he wanted the people to be able to read and study that word for themselves. And so... God continues telling Joshua in verse eight, this scroll of the Torah must not depart from your mouth. This is how Joshua is to lead the people, not quoting a bunch of dogmatics or lead them with God's word. The focus was on the proclamation of God's word. Where else do you conquer a land by marching around and blasting trumpets? He had to stick to the word of God. And this is why with Sunday school teachers, we want to make sure they have time to study the word they're going to teach. But I recognize how spoiled I am. You give of your blood, sweat, and tears in an offering that allows me not just to study God's word for Bible study and study God's word for the sermon, but to study God's word so that when other things come up, I have the insight to lead you. This is how true servants of the Lord lead. And sometimes we can get confused with that and think that, you know, uh, whether it's a Sunday school teacher or the president or an elder or the pastor, we can think that they're called to be secretaries or life coaches or, or maintenance people. First and foremost, primarily, we call them to study that word and to lead us with it. And you too have that blessing and that insight by studying the word of God. And so our text concludes by saying you shall meditate on it night and day so that you watch over to act according to everything that has been written in it because then you will cause your way to prosper and then you will have insight to bring about success. Again, being in that word constantly would give Joshua the blessing of saying here's how God has acted in the past for us. Here's how we can be confident he's going to act for us now. So it would be a a benefit for Joshua. It would be a benefit for the people of Israel. This is how Luther accidentally again changed the world when he kicked the hornet's nest. He stayed in the word of God and then he made it available for the people. This is how our leaders are to lead us. They're to meditate on that word. They're to teach and proclaim that word. And this is the blessing that you get when you're in the word yourself. You can do it at home a couple minutes a day. You get to do it on Sundays as you hear it and and when you you come to Bible study. Because it's there that you are empowered not not to go to the left or the right, but to apply God's word to yourself and to your neighbor. And so three weeks ago... In Bible study, I wasn't expecting the reaction I got, but as a pastor, I loved it. As the people saw these Bible passages being violently ripped out of their context, wanting to get up and hiss and spit at that video. But, you know, you have that same blessing being in the word so that you do not turn from God's word to the right or to the left. It is through that word that God blesses you making you his child, forgiving you, giving you salvation, assuring you of that forgiveness and salvation, assuring you even when everything seems the opposite and it seems like God's allowing hardships as if he's mad at you, that God's actually using that for your good. And then by being in that word, not parting to the left or to the right, you're able to give that assurance to your brother and sister in Christ and to your unbelieving neighbor. Amen. Now, love the teaching of God's Word and grow in the knowledge that gives you wisdom, insight, and understanding. Amen.